Home defense handguns. Let's talk tactics. If bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging, would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, would you know how to survive? If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. Hey there, everyone. Welcome back. It's Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine and executive director of the New World Patriot Alliance with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face and your role as a protector and a patriot. And welcome to episode number 168, the second in our four-episode home defense series. Now, last week we talked about how to look at your home from a tactical perspective and fortify your castle's five zones of defense. But this week is where we begin our journey on the topic that pretty much everyone loves to talk about, home defense firearms. Starting with the first choice that most people flock to for home defense the handgun. Now, don't bother taking notes for this episode. We've done all the work for you, including a cheat sheet and a special bonus report I'll tell you about here in just a minute. And all you need to do to grab that is to go to www.mcsmagazine.com slash 168 and grab them all for free. Okay, now let me start off by saying that I fully realize that in this episode, talking about any sort of firearms, I'm really opening myself up to a big old can of whoop-ass in comments that are going to be coming from people that have their individual opinions about what the best firearm is for anything. Home defense, battlefield, whatever it is. I know everybody, this is a very, this is a very controversial topic, right? Everybody gets their, their tidy whities in a wad over recommendations that are made. So let me just say that whatever works for you, work it. I mean, in the, in the end, all it really matters is that you own a dependable firearm and a dependable caliber that you can shoot accurately to stop an attacker. Really, that's all it comes down to, right? So if you find that whatever caliber works best for you, whatever handgun works best for you, work it. I'm going to give you my personal recommendations or some of the considerations that you might want to look at to either choose your first firearm or reevaluate what you're currently using as a firearm. So I'm going to ask you to empty the glass a little bit. Take my advice here as just advice and then make your own decision. But I will give you some examples or some, some tips on how to make that decision or to maybe rethink what you're using for home defense. All right. So let's talk about choice, first of all. So the first thing I want to say for home defense, it's you really have to look at the task that you're using a firearm for, whether that is for concealed carry or for home defense. Whatever it is, you really have to match the choice of a weapon to what you're going to use it for. And that's different for everybody. That's different for depending upon what you're familiar with. Uh, So you might be used to using a certain weapon, and that is what is going to work best for you. Or it could be based upon like maybe somebody who is a smaller stature, you can't handle maybe a 50 caliber Desert Eagle. But somebody out there might want to use a 50 caliber Desert Eagle for home defense. Okay? But one thing I will say is that when you are looking at home defense, first of all, you need to understand that a lot of your shots are going to be going off to the side, above, under. 
you're not going to hit your target. Remember, we're not talking about a static paper target down at the local range. You're talking about something that is moving at you. Your adrenaline is going to be high. It's going to throw all of those factors off into a tailspin when it comes to when it's a real actual gunfight. All right. So the first thing I want to say is you want to go with a full size weapon where you can. So what I mean by that is you don't want to typically choose like a subcompact or anything like that that's limited in the number of rounds that you can use because a lot of those rounds are going to be missing your target and you just have to stop that target. So I recommend that you go with a full-size weapon. Um, for example, um, like a, a Glock 19 or a Glock 17. A Glock 17 would be the full-size. A lot of police officers use a Glock 17. I currently use a Glock 19 is what I, I personally carry with. And I recommend that if you are only going to get one gun and you can carry a, a firearm concealed carry, you get a concealed carry license, that you choose a full size for that as well. So this can be your one gun that you use for home defense and for and for concealed carry. But a lot of people use a smaller size weapon for concealed carry for comfort purposes or because they need it to not protrude so much or whatever it is. It might be like a, a subcompact for something like that. But for home defense, you're going to limit yourself on accuracy, stopping power, and the number of rounds you have if you go with something like a subcompact. So I recommend that you use a full size weapon. Uh, as Using Glock as an example, I would go with a Glock 19 or a Glock 17. But again, use something that you're used to and that you don't have to kind of retrain yourself for home defense or for concealed carry. All right. Let's talk about caliber real quick. So this is where I know a lot of people really get upset when we start talking about caliber. My personal recommendation is to go with 9mm. Now, our gun tests show that the best stopping, the best ratio of stopping power to the number of rounds that you can use, as well as the recoil that you might experience for other family members that might have to use that firearm for defense, is to go with 9mm. So we found that when it comes to 9mm, you're using a hollow, uh, hollow point uh, defense rounds, that that's going to give you enough um, bullet speed there for the round to actually expand as opposed to other calibers that might not have enough momentum behind the round itself to be able to cause the, the, the hollow point to actually expand. And that's a big thing. Now, this is something we've run several different tests on this. Um, both with gelatin as well as with some field expedient methods to show what actually the impact that different rounds have um, inside of a body. And so you can actually grab a free copy of our stopping power report in the show notes that has a lot of great information in there about a whole bunch of different calibers, but also several other factors when it comes to what it really takes to stop an enraged attacker when he's charging full throttle in your direction. Now, again, you can grab that special bonus report in our show notes over at www.mcsmagazine.com slash 168. All right, so you can pick up that report and all the show notes there for free. All right, so let's go beyond caliber here. I'm just kind of giving you the, the, the checklist here for things to look at for a home defense handgun. The other thing I, I highly recommend for people is to choose a firearm that does not have a manual safety on it. It should have an integrated safety on the firearm. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people, they have a manual safety on their firearm. They raise it, it's adrenaline, we're, we're training. We, they raise the, the firearm, they start trying to pull the trigger and nothing's happening because they have the safety on. They forget to take off the safety. 
So with an integrated safety, such as like with a Glock, or there are lots of other handguns out there that have an integrated trigger safety, you don't have to worry about manually taking the gun off of safety and putting it into action. It's already ready to fire. You just put your finger on the trigger and pull it back. Now, a lot of people are maybe a little bit skittish about that because for safety reasons, they think that the gun's going to go off. No, you should only have your finger on the trigger when you're ready to actually use it anyway. So I recommend that you use an integrated trigger safety um, or some other integrated safety that's in there where you don't have to think about it, especially under the adrenaline of a real attack, right? Okay, so again, so not again, but another factor, um, probably the main factor, I would say, in your choice of a firearm is how it feels in your hand. All right, so a, a really, you know, kind of like a, an extreme example of this is a Desert Eagle 50 caliber handgun. If you've ever held one at the gun store or if you own one, like it's a big it has a big grip on it. It has a big handle. It's look, it's a big round. So the first time I tried it, it's like, wow, this feels like a beast. And it's, I have smaller hands. I have, I have medium sized hands and the grip on that is just simply too large for me. Now that is an extreme example. A desert Eagle 50 caliber is an ex- extreme example, but you're going to find that different firearms feel different in your hand. So for example, for me, uh, the SIG handgun is, Look, it's a it's a great handgun. It's a it's an amazing handgun, proven on the battlefield and in home defense and everything. But it just doesn't feel right in my hand. It it I almost have an aversion to how it feels. And so the Sig for me is not a good weapon because it's it just doesn't form conform to my hand very well. It's not how I like to fire. It's just not right for me. A Glock feels better in my hand. Now that being said, a Sig might fit really great in your hand and you might you might put it in your hand and say wow this this feels amazing like you just you got you guys if you've ever been to the gun store if you are an experienced uh, firearms owner out there you know what i'm talking about there's just some guns that just fit right in your hand well what fits for you might not fit for me and so when you're going to the gun store i know a lot of people get intimidated like what do i do when the person hands me the firearm that i want to check out the very first thing I tell people to look for is how does it feel? What is the feeling that you get when you put that in your hand? So that is a very, to me, it's a, it's a critical choice selection for what you're for what you're going to use. Okay, okay. Let's talk about ammo again. We already talked about my recommendation is nine millimeter. I think that gives the the best ratio of stopping power to the number of rounds and things like that. But you definitely want to make sure that you are using a hollow point. Uh, around. Uh, first of all, hollow points, which expand once they enter into the body, um, have better stopping power because of the hydrostatic shock that it creates inside the body. It's not just about the path of the bullet or where the bullet is going. When it enters the body and when it expands, it, it creates this shock wave around it. And that's what does ex, um, additional damage within the body cavity to be able to hopefully hit an organ or do something that will stop that attacker as quickly as possible, right? The other thing about uh, hollow points, though, as opposed to a full metal jacket, just a regular kind of like training round that doesn't expand, is that those rounds that don't expand have a better chance of going through the attacker. Now, that's not good, especially if you have a backstop where, of course, you should always know what what's beyond the bullet, right? But if you... 
have to shoot at your attacker and your child's bedroom is is in back of them they're at the end of the hallway or something like that you don't want that round to go through the attacker and into the next bedroom and potentially hit another person that's either in the room or beyond you know in another room or something like that so that's another um, purpose of the hollow point is that when it expands, it should stop it inside of the attacker so that round is staying in there. It does the damage. It stays in there. It doesn't go beyond there and potentially hit someone um, in back of that person. Okay, so definitely always go with a with a hell point or, or a, a defensive round there. Okay, now this does bring up, when we talk about choice, it does bring up, you know, what about revolvers? Okay, so revolvers, yes. Okay, again, this goes back to what feels good in your hand and, and, uh, you know, and things like that. But in my opinion, you should really only use a revolver if you have a spouse who hates guns like my spouse does and doesn't want to learn how to fire a semi-automatic weapon. So a revolver is going to give you typically less rounds available than a, than another, like, like a semi-automatic pistol. Um, however, um, like, again, my spouse does not like weapons. She, does not want to use a weapon for personal defense, but she is now open to shooting and things like that. So I don't want to have to, like, I'm not going to overwhelm her. Like, I finally got her to the point where she's okay with firing a gun and realizes that when I'm gone, she feels really unprotected and is now open to using a firearm for personal defense when I'm when I'm traveling. She won't, you know, carry concealer or anything like that. But I don't want to overwhelm her by now trying to put this semi-automatic pistol in her hand and say, okay, now you've got to do this and you've got to do this. And here's how you change a magazine. Here's how you do this and that. Here's how you, you know, the, the safety's over here. You know, all that I know I'm going to get, it's going to be like, oh, you know what? This is just too complicated. I, I don't want to do this. So that's where revolvers really can come in and be very helpful. All right. Now, remember, with revolvers, they're very simple, right? All you pretty much have to do is just pull the trigger, which has a much you know, further trigger pull. You have to put more force behind the trigger pull. So that is kind of the safety for the revolver, but it's really super simple. Pull the, you know, aim, pull the trigger, and it shoots. So the, the thing about that, though, uh, especially if you're like, I'm, I'm talking specifically to the people out there that have a spouse that doesn't want to necessarily use a firearm, what I personally did is I have it in the safe room. So I, I, I put the, the revolver in the safe room for my wife to be able to get to. We have a couple of them. But um, it's a great thing to stash in the safe room so that she doesn't have to hunt for it or go to a safe or go under the bed or anything like that. She knows to just go to the safe room, get in there, hunker down, grab the firearm. It's in a safe in the safe room and just go with it. Now, what we did was... We started with the Ruger LCR 22 caliber. Very little kick to it. Um, it's really super simple. It's not scary. So when she's just starting on the on the firearm, she's able to just pull the trigger. Oh, this isn't so bad. You know, there's not that much of a kick. There's not that much of a sound. It's really very simple. There's also not as not very much stopping power to a 22. So it's not a great home defense firearm. However, again, I go back to my first caveat here, which is. Look, if you, whatever works, work it. So if a 22 caliber is all I'm going to be able to get my wife to be able to use, well, that might be enough to stop an attacker with good bullet placement or just be able to scare the person off that somebody has, you know, somebody in the home has a firearm and is, you know, when you go to use it, that could be enough to scare. In fact, typically, 
most home de, home de, uh, home invaders are scared off by the firearm. Very very little do you actually have to pull the trigger to be able to stop a home invasion. A lot of times, just being able to show a weapon or announcing that you have a weapon or that first round is enough to scare them out of the home. So if a 22 is all that she has, then great. But what we did was we started with the LCR 22, and then from there, when she was used to that, we go on to the Ruger LCR X 9mm because it has more stopping power, um, but it also has an external hammer that allows for single action use so that that first round isn't like a massive trigger pull that she's got to go through that sends that first round 10 feet off to the side because in that adrenalized state, she's just pulling the trigger as quickly as she can, not taking into account accuracy factors and things like that. Well, with the single action on there, all she has to do is a much shorter trigger pull. It allows for a much better round placement there. She can pull that back each time if she wants to for better for uh, for more accuracy. So that was a great transition for us before moving into a semi-automatic pistol. So that's a really great progression that I tell people if you have a spouse or somebody or or even if it's you and you're not used to firearms and that that's the path you want to take, then feel free to start that way also. All right. Now the last thing I'll say about selection of your firearm is don't rely on gun store advice. A lot of people that are intimidated or buying their first their first firearm, they go to the gun store counter and they go there and they're very intimidated by the person behind the counter. Sometimes the people behind the counter are intimidating. They're not very accommodating to newbies and they've got like this ego about it. Like they want to show off or, or show their bravado about being a firearms expert. Don't, don't worry about that. All right. It's fine to go and just hold the weapon first. You can even ask them for their advice for a first time firearms owner or something like that and, and see what they do. But then, Put it in your hand, and how does it feel? Try different versions of different handguns. You want something different. So try a SIG, try a Glock, try a revolver. What feels best for you for your first firearm? All right? And take notes on the ones that feel good. Don't buy one right then and there. Just take notes on it and see how it feels. All right? Then what I recommend that you do is find a gun range local to you that rents firearms and has the ones that you've identified it as Yes, these, these are in the caliber that I want. These are the ones that feel best for me. Um, and then go and test all of those, you know, rent those firearms, go ahead and test them, and see how you do with accuracy. You might find that different, different firearms, you just have a natural tendency for, for being more accurate with that firearm. So you've already passed the test of what feels right, it's in the right caliber. Then go and see how you shoot with each one of those. And that's going to really help you choose the best home defense firearm. Okay. All right. So let's move on to a couple of other factors here now. So with, um, with accommodations with, with accessories. So let's talk about lights. Now, most gunfights in general happen at night. All right. That's because, you know, criminals like to use low light for ambush attacks. And that's usually how an attack is going to happen. They're going to come out of nowhere. They're going to use low light at nighttime or whatever to be able to surprise you. That works in a, a parking lot of the shopping center or something like that, the ATM machine, that's where they're going to use the cover of night for an ambush. But in home defense, most of the, most home invasions happen between 10 in the morning and 3 in the afternoon. Now, sometimes that is because somebody might be home. It might be a home invader that is attacking, is looking to invade the home for the purposes of rape or something like that. Maybe a spouse is a stay-at-home spouse 
and and they're staying, they're at home and that's why they want to be there. Oftentimes, though, it's a burglary that happens during the day because they think that the homeowner might be gone at work, but they might find that there is a spouse there during the day. So it could be start off as a burglary, end up as a violent home invasion because somebody breaks in. All of a sudden, they're confronted, they're spotted, they're recognized. Somebody can somebody can spot them in a lineup. And then it turns into, oh, my God, what do I do? Then they're in, I'm going to tie this person up. Now what do I do? And they'd be out of sheer desperation. They could murder or you know rape somebody because it's an, an, oppor- an opportunity there. Whatever it is, it could turn into a violent home invasion during the day. So you have to be prepared for both of those. It could also be a bump in the night sort of a, a home invasion. Somebody could that people do break in in the evening time when they think people are asleep. Again, home invasions are a different kind of person. It's not somebody looking for a, a television. They're looking to get you at the time where you least expect it. And if you're sleeping and they can break into your home, knock you over the head or tie you up or whatever it is, then you you have to be prepared for that as well. So you're going to need to be able to be prepared for fighting at night. And you don't you definitely want to have some sort of a light that you're going to use because if it is a nighttime home invasion or something like that, you don't want to get up in the middle of the night trying to investigate a bump in the night and shoot your daughter who's getting a glass of milk or something like that, right? You need to be able to identify the threat before you engage the threat. Now, I prefer to use a separate flashlight instead of a flashlight that is is put on the rail of a handgun. So it's an integrated flashlight. You can buy those out there. Some of them even have a laser um, attached to it. I do like lasers for low light situations, but when we're talking about lights, I personally don't like the ones that are on that are that are attached to the fire, the handgun itself. But that's because of the way that I hold my handgun. I have a different way of holding my handgun that um, is is meant for um, for improved accuracy and it's you know some other some other time I'll go into how I do that but because of the way I hold my firearm I don't have room for my support hand to wrap around the trigger guard um, when there is a light there so I prefer to have a separate flashlight I use um, we actually have our own flashlight that that we use that is a, a super uh, a subcompact it has a um, a full it's an LED light uh, has very high uh, lumens but it also has three different modes to it. So I have a, a high blast. I have a I call it a firefly mode, which is a, a lower, uh, a lower um, grade of light. So basically, it's a softer light. So I can use that maybe for finding my way around, but I don't want to destroy my night vision or I don't want to give away my my location as much. And then there's a strobe function as well that can be used to disorient an attacker to be able to, you know, basically shock them, stun them, to be able to give you time to be able to engage them as well. Now, I like to do that because I can also use use that firearm for just spotting, like where you just press the weapon on, press the, the tail light on, on just to be able to spotlight something. Um, and then turn it off so you're not giving away your location. Plus, I also like the option of being able to shine my light in a different direction than I'm, 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 I might have my firearm pointing. All right, so I, I just I like to have that option there for that. Um, so that's that's entirely up to you. You can try both of those. It depends on how you hold the firearm or, or different ways that you use it. You might need to use your other support hand for 
holding the hand of a child or your spouse or moving an obstacle or something like that, in which case, you know, you might want to have some sort of a, a light that you don't have to hold in a separate hand or, or something like that. It's entirely up to you, but that's my, that's just my preference. But another trick is to add in low light night lights throughout your home that are going to silhouette an attacker or give you more light, which is still low light, which won't destroy your night vision, but it'll, it'll be there to be able to light up the battlefield in a way. Now, this was something that we talked about in the last, uh, in the last episode that we went over about prepping your, your house in different, different zones that are out there. Um, so you can, you can actually get the show notes for the first episode that we did by going to www.mcsmagazine.com slash safe room, all one word, S-A-F-E-R-O-O-M. And you can get a copy of those show notes as well, where we talk about how to use those low light night lights throughout your home to be able to prepare, prepare your home for home defense. Okay. All right, so another thing I want to talk about are the sights that you use for your firearms. So this is something that I do recommend people change out when they first get their firearm. And this is the first thing that I do when I get my firearm. So I personally use an Ameriglow Pro Glow for my firearm. It uh, basically has an orange circle instead of like for my Glock, usually, you know, it comes with the white dot that's there. But I prefer to use the Ameriglow Pro Glow because it has an orange circle around the outside for daytime, but it has a tritium uh, center for low light. So it's basically like glow in the dot, glow in the dark dot there that I can use for low light, even if I don't have my flashlight on. So it's going to help me there. What I find is that um, the contrast of the orange circle with the green center really grabs my eye in the daytime. So it allows me a faster target acquisition than just the regular white dot that's there. So I like that contrast of the orange and the green. It, it very quickly allows me to see the sight and put it on target there. Um, you might want to look at different uh, different types of front sights that you might want to use, but that's what I recommend for changing out the sights. All right? So those are the basics of choosing a, a home defense gun. Hopefully that's really helpful for you now. But here's the thing. The most important thing that you need to remember is Jeff Cooper's first rule of gunfighting which is to have a gun, okay? So that means that you should have the gun on you, in your home, at all times. In the last episode, I say, I get up in the morning, the first thing I do is I, I grab my firearm, I put it on, and I go to my office. That's the very first thing that I do. It stays on me all the way until I go to bed at night. But here's the kicker, after everything I just told you about with the home defense handgun, is that a handgun is really not a formidable weapon against a human-sized attacker. It's really not. That's why you don't see our soldiers out on the battlefield fighting with nothing but handguns, all right? Because a handgun is really, when it comes to shooting a, a human-sized attacker, does not have as much stopping power as other firearms do. But we use handguns because if we're out in, we're out in public, well, you can't really go around with an AR or something like that, right? So handguns are, are the best, you know, first firearm, but I really look at them from a home defense perspective as the firearm that I use to fight to my other firearm that is a better weapon that has more stopping power that I'm going to use. So I'm not going to be walking around my, my home with a shotgun or a bazooka or an AR or anything like that. 
but my firearm is going to be on me at all times. So if I suddenly, suddenly somebody charges through a door, they break it down or whatever they can do, not, not if I've done my five zone prep though, right? But if somehow they make it into the, into the house, they trick my kid in opening the door or whatever it might be, I've got something right then and there that I can use to quickly defend myself while we are putting our, our plan in action, getting to our safe room, and I can get to another weapon that is going to have more stopping power. All right? So over the next few weeks, I'm going to be giving you a few more options of what I personally choose for my primary, not my primary, my, they're really the best home defense firearms that I use once I've fought to that firearm. I'm going to give you a few more options as well as how to choose the right ones and how to use them for home defense. And that's all coming up in the next couple of episodes. So make sure that you stick around for that. It's all coming up, starts next week. And until then, this is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train, and survive. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.